Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. This Saturday, October 15th, join KQED's The Writer's Block at Bruno's in San Francisco for Some Girls from the Block, a live reading by five of the podcast's most popular female writers. The event is part of the annual Lit Crawl, a marathon series of readings in San Francisco's Mission District. It's put on by Litquake, the Bay Area's annual literary festival. If you're in town, and over 21, come join KQED for this special event. Get details at kqed.org slash writer's block. In the meantime, we pulled this reading by Lisa Brown from the archives to whet your appetite. Brown's Baby Bee of Use was recorded in November of 2005, just as the writer's block was getting started. It became one of the series' most downloaded episodes of all time. My name is Lisa Brown, and I've written a series of books and the series is called Baby Be of Use. And the first book in the series is called Baby Mix Me a Drink. And this is a little something I wrote to explain myself. I'm not a lush. One drink gets me into an uncharacteristically friendly state. The second causes me to give away my possessions. This according to my husband, who is resigned to the inevitable disappearance of books and CDs after every one of our cocktail parties. And the third and there rarely is a third, tucks me, cozily spinning, into bed. But the thought of going through nine months of mandatory sobriety filled me with dread. Okay, so I know that a sip of wine or two wouldn't kill me or my incipient fetus, and you betcha that I'd made sure of this before the deed was done. But once I'd actually become pregnant, I didn't care about that sip of wine. What I wanted was a martini, ice-cold vodka, a whisper of vermouth, a firm green olive, one of those with the cute little pimento in its belly. I craved it. Luckily for little Junior, the smell made me sick. Oh, but I missed it, that comforting feel of a cocktail glass in my hand, an oh-so-sophisticated prop, a numbing lubricant for those awkward social situations. You just can't wave around a plastic cup of apple juice with the same savoir-faire. At my 10-year college reunion, I was four months pregnant, a stone-cold, sober killjoy in two tight jeans. Hi, it's Lisa Brown. Remember me? By the way, I didn't get fat. I'm pregnant. See? It's a maternity blouse. If I were just fat, I wouldn't be wearing a maternity blouse, now would I? You're a lawyer? How nice. Six months pregnant found me presiding over a wine-tasting party. A wine writer friend and his sommelier girlfriend had brought over bottles and bottles of the most expensive, delicious, and incredibly, well, French wine that they had for some inexplicable reason too much of. So there I was, uncomfortably shifting in my chair, a grimly sober hostess, as I watched my guests get rosy, then tipsy, then sloppy, then drunk. I hated my friends because they could drink. I hated my pregnancy because I couldn't. I tried to pull myself together and ignore my happy pals, concentrating instead on a spot on the tablecloth. A spot that was, unfortunately, made of red wine. A spot that was slowly spreading, inching towards my empty glass. I asked everyone to leave. 
Eight months pregnant and big as a house at my mother-in-law's retirement party, I found myself trapped in line for the ladies' room. How far along are you? asked a twinkly woman ahead of me. Oh, I'm not pregnant, I calmly replied. This is what happens when I am sober. And this is why my son needs to learn a few things about keeping his mama in her cups. Now, I keep hearing people complain that in our age of anxiety and overanalysis, parents' lives increasingly revolve around their children. But I'm planning to change all that. I'd like to take us back to an era when children were actually produced out of the need for an extra pair of helping hands around the house. Those little angels performed all sorts of unskilled menial labors with light hearts and no salary. And why not? I completely and unabashedly blame my baby for my nine-plus months of excruciating teetotalism, not to mention the accompanying physical discomfort and irrational crying jags. Clearly, some kind of payback is in order. It wouldn't be so difficult. Already I have this two-year-old son with a mommy complex in a big way. He seems to derive all sorts of comfort and sustenance from my very presence, and I plan to fully exploit this. I have role models. I was always quite taken with the bit in the movie Auntie Mame where Rosalind Russell's tiny ward assembles a morning martini for a prim and proper banker. Auntie Mame says that olives take up so much room in such a little glass. So I really don't see any true impediment to my plan. I'm a reasonable person. I would never force my child to take on something he couldn't handle. Let's work it out logically. One. Can he recognize colors? We are working on this. Surely he soon will be able to distinguish brown from red, and if he can do that, he will be able to tell the bourbon from the Campari. Two, how about shapes? Absolutely. I mean, he can tell the difference between a rectangle and a circle. Thus, he must be able to tell a highball glass from, say, a snifter. Three, can he lift a small bottle? Well, yeah, he does that all the time. Super. I'll make sure we have those little airplane liquor bottles on hand. They seem like a manageable size for his little paws. I think they even come in plastic. Four. Can he shake things? Yep, he's aces with a rattle. A martini shaker certainly seems like a natural progression. Five. And as for olives, well, they're just like marbles. Kids love marbles. You see, it can be done. And there's so much more that babies could be good for. In the two years that I've known him, I've learned that my son is easily tricked and possesses only the most rudimentary understanding of unions and child labor laws. Therefore, every milestone becomes an opportunity. If he can walk to the park, he most certainly can walk to the grocery store or the bank. Brushing his teeth requires the exact same skill set as scrubbing bathroom tiles. He loves to play with his Tonka truck. There's got to be something useful in that. So parents, relax. Put your feet up and perhaps invest in a small silver bell. The possibilities are endless. To hear more writers on the writer's block, visit www.kqed.org slash writer's block. The writer's block is produced by KQED. KQED.